You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker, back at you with another interactive class out of the secret library of the Connected Universe. Our second one here in 2024. And, yeah, I'm going to be pushing off the uh, the antiquity one here. <laughs> another, well, actually two weeks because we are doing an Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode next week which James Keenan is going to be our guest. Uh, of course, my co-host is Victoria Monday will be back with me uh, because, well, tonight's topic, we are diving back into the realm of shadows. Uh, we talked about it a little bit back in the fall, the relationship between uh, shadow entities and time slips, really following up on my uh, latest book, travels through time. And, you know, this is a topic that we talk about uh, on and off, have been for several years now. And of course, a lot of the material we're going to be covering tonight can be found in my book, A Walk in the Shadows. This was three books ago now. Hard to believe that, but, uh, but it was. And it, this is really all stemming from the fact that ancient aliens, well, really the History Channel has uh, rebroadcast twice last week the Shadow People episode that I was a part of a couple of years ago. And so I've had a flood of questions coming in uh, about this type of phenomenon. And this particular topic, are Shadow People attacking you? We've covered this topic uh, from a number of different angles. And this is a question that I get a lot. There will be a particular situation that somebody has and they want to know if uh, you know, shadow person's up to something nefarious. So we're going to be getting into all of that this evening. I could have even done this episode on the Alaska Triangle, of course, covering material in my book, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, because the Travel Channel has been airing episodes of the Alaska Triangle television show, which I was a part of uh, for several episodes. So I've been getting a lot of that sort of stuff lately. But I thought I would go ahead and... Uh, tackle shadow people with this one because that is one in which uh, and people are you know surely fascinated by the Alaska Triangle but this is a particular topic in which uh you know people are concerned about their welfare and being so before we get into all of that however those that are listening to the podcast version of this later please join us every Wednesday night 8 o'clock p.m eastern time for the full connecting the universe experience on connecteduniverseportal.com those that are members out there those that are travelers uh, within the connected universe uh, get access to the after show which comes of course directly 
uh, after this. That is all uh, live. And then there's, we have the uh, magnificent community that's behind there. We have sneak peek and behind the, uh, behind the scenes videos. We have monthly Q&A videos, the Mike Morning Mug vlogs that we do a couple of times for a week. We are doing our first, well, actually our second live one, our first of the year, which we're going to be doing on a monthly basis that's coming this Saturday at noon Eastern. I know I say it's a uh, uh, a morning mug, but I want to make sure that people that are out there on the West Coast uh, are getting in at a you know, decent time. They don't have to wake up at like 6 a.m. Uh, to join. So in tra inside of travel vlogs, exclusive articles, all kinds of great material there in the secret library, connecteduniverseportal.com. And for those that are members, uh, please go ahead and get the app, of course, and you get all the uh, notifications, access from your phone, anywhere that you are at. Uh, also want to throw out there, we are winding down on the uh, registration for Stargates of Ancient Egypt. That's a tour coming up April 16th through the 28th. Just go to my personal website, MikeRicksecker.com. You can get all the tour info out there and click into the link and register. On January 27th, I'm going to be hosting, uh, we'll do it live on YouTube, Facebook, all of that stuff. So uh, as much access as possible to kind of preview that particular tour and then answer any questions that uh, people have. So check that out on January 27th. See, a lot of people are already in the house. Uh, Murtaza Arif was uh, in earlier saying that uh, he was really looking forward to this episode this evening he's out in the uk so uh, i hope he is uh hope he's still awake and uh, yeah it gave me a little uh uh thank you for the gaia tv link so uh episode with regina meredith open minds we talked about a lot of uh this type of uh we talked about the shadow activity for a substantial part of that particular interview. We also got into the Alaska Triangle and some other things as well within that interview, but primarily focusing on shadow activity, not so much on the, what well, the topic we're talking about this evening, which is the attacks or perceived attacks. And, and we'll kind of dissect that as we go along. So, uh, so thank you, Murtaza for uh, joining us. Jason Thompson's in the house from Atlanta. Great to see you again, Jason. Cosmic Chris. Chris, great to see you. Of course, there is Jen. Always wonderful to see you, my love. Android Paranormal's in the house. Tom McNicholas is uh, down there from the portal. Uh, I know Haley Stack was in there as well. Uh, she had uh, sent a little, uh, or she'd done one of the Instagram uh, stories out there. Uh, right about to uh, log in. There's Sylvain. Great to see Sylvain in the house. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mary from Buffalo. Great to see you as well. Pindora Farms. Wonderful. Yeah, there's Haley down there. All right. So a lot of people are coming in. Wonderful to see you all. All right. So now without further ado, all the pleasantries out of the way. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into all of this. And, you know, this... It happens a lot. It's not the it's not what happens with every shadow person occurrence, but it does happen a lot. Somebody wakes up in the middle of the night and there's that tall, dark shadow that's standing in their room. They might have sleep paralysis associated with it. Maybe not. Sometimes they feel like they're being attacked. At the very least, it's very, very intrusive. 
and people don't understand what is going on. So I'm going to preface this entire episode because we're going to be talking about sleep paralysis, uh, night terrors, and some of these other things. Um, I am I'm a researcher. I am not a medical professional, even though my research is, of course, taking me down uh, a part of the medical route, of course, looking into these different things. And I even cite within A Walk in the Shadows, uh, like National Institutes of Health, so NIH, uh, and some other uh, medical journals and websites and, and what have you. But I am not a medical professional. So if you are having an issue with one of these things, like uh, sleep paralysis or night terrors or, or what have you, um, don't just take my advice here from this video. Please consult your doctor, okay? Um, first and foremost, consult the doctor if you're suffering from, from any of these different things. Um, I do want to define night terrors, though. Um, I'm going to really just quote here from my book, because I did pull this uh, from one of those uh, one of those medical sites, because this is uh, you know, something that's kind of a, almost like a misconception sometimes. Like, I will have people... Uh, you know, approach me at whether it's an email, a message, at an event, uh, this sort of thing, and and just you know, kind of say I suffered from you know night terrors as a child, and then they will go ahead and describe these extremely horrific nightmares. The nightmares are not night terrors. Okay, there's a little bit of a difference here. Again, I'm just gonna uh, you know read this uh, little excerpt from from my book here. It's just simpler if I do it that way. Night terrors are a legitimate sleep disorder in which the sufferer screams and thrashes in his or her sleep. But this phenomenon often gets confused with normal nightmares and even shadow people experiences. However, a person who suffers from night terrors generally doesn't even remember what the terror had been. According to Healthline, quote, night terrors are a form of sleep disorder in which a person partially awakens from sleep in a state of terror. A sufferer of night terrors experiences an activation of his or her flight, fight or flight system. Night terrors are not nightmares, which are a form of dreaming. Because the person may still be partially asleep during a night terror, they can be inconsolable and unaware of their surroundings. They may have no memory of the episode when they awaken. So here's the thing. Night terrors are a sleeping phenomenon. Uh, horrible sleeping phenomenon, while shadow people are a waking one. We're going to get into that. So generally, we're not sure what the sufferer is experiencing when they're having an episode uh, of a night terror because they generally don't remember what it is when they finally do wake up. So uh, is it possible that a shadow person is feeding off of that fear, because that's kind of one of the things that gets lumped into this whole, you know, night terrors, old hag syndrome, sleep paralysis, all that sort of stuff is the idea that uh, the shadow person is a energy vampire feeding off of that fear. It's possible. I'll say that. It's possible. Although there's not really a way to know for sure, unless there's a third party in the room at the at the time that the person is experiencing the terror that observes the shadow person. So let's say 
you're you're thrashing around in bed and you know your partner wakes up or you know maybe you know person in the next room wakes up because they hear the the ruckus and comes in they see you thrashing around and there's a shadow person standing there in the corner into the bed something like that then okay that would that would substantiate it but it could just simply be uh, a biological uh, phenomenon that is occurring during those particular moments so um, that's really all I wanted to say about night terrors is to kind of define that. Um, it's not, it's not really, really, really horrific bad dreams because the person that is experiencing that doesn't, doesn't remember what happened. They just, you know, wake up in this state like this and they're not sure why. So, um, you know, extremely horrific, terrible nightmares, yes, do happen and, um, there, there's a lot of different, we're not going to go down into, uh, the route of dream analysis in this, but there are a lot of particular reasons as to you know, why that could be occurring. Okay. Since I've mentioned it several times here, let's get into, uh, old hack syndrome. Okay. So old hack syndrome, this is kind of the, uh, you know, iconic Henry Fuseli, the nightmare painting from 1761. So uh, the idea that uh, you're you're pinned down in bed, you have the the old hag or the ghoul sitting on your chest. Uh, we're going to get into some e examples here. Uh, and this is something that extends through all time. Uh, it's something that's really, really fascinated me about the research here of this phenomenon is how this, you know, cultures from all over the world that we're not supposed to have connections to each other are all reporting and experiencing the same thing. So again, citing back to the, uh, the medical community, there, when we talk shadow people, the, or what they call the, uh, intruder hallucination, that's basically what, what they are chalking it up to that, um, Shadow people don't exist. People are just hallucinating from their their dream state. That um, you know, sleep paralysis is a real biological phenomenon. That is something that absolutely happens and occurs. Um, I've had it the reverse way, but most people experience it when uh, when they wake up. And you know, the the idea of sleep paralysis is that the body is trying to paralyze you so you don't act out your dreams uh, in the middle of the night. So that you know, is, it still happens sometimes, like we might kick our partner in bed or something like that. But the idea uh, of this biological function is so that you don't actually do that in the middle of the night. Sometimes when we wake up, we are still paralyzed and we can't move. Sometimes we see a shadow uh, my, you know, a humanoid figure uh, could be could be any of the varieties. You know, hooded figure, person wearing a hat, just a. Uh, it could be a mist or something like that. It could be sitting on your chest. That's that's the old hag syndrome. There is you wake up and you've got the, the hag or the ghoul or a shadow uh, sitting on on your chest, and this is reported all throughout the world. And so, one of the slides that I've used during my shadow person presentation. Now, this is not all inclusive. The world night hag legends, and they're they're everywhere. But just some examples: like 
Uh, and this is where we get the term hagridden. So gullalore, hagridden, uh, you know, that that term that it's kind of archaic. We don't really use it anymore, but uh, you know, when you wake up in the morning disheveled and uh, kind of looking a mess, like you've been riding the hag is another way that it's been said. But just think of, um, you know, when you've, uh, when you wake up in the morning after you've had, um, you know, I don't know, uh, a night of partying and drinking and all that, and you're kind of hung over the next morning, you're looking haggard in the next morning. This is where we get the term. But, um, you know, Fiji, Kanatavoro is their term. It means eaten by a demon. Uh, Thailand, Phaiem, witch riding. Uh, Vietnam, Bong Day, held down by shadow. Uh, Sri Lanka, uh, Amukapai, ghost that forces one down. Ethiopia, Dukak, holds people down during sleep. Uh, and it kind of goes on and on. Uh, Turkey, Karabasan, the dark presser. So, you know, this idea that something dark and nefarious or looking like this old hag or witch, this sort of thing, uh, is pressing you down, sitting on your chest. Of course, the big question is why? And we don't really quite understand uh, that aspect of it uh, as, as to why that may be happening. But again, this is all part of that whole uh, sleep paralysis phenomenon, which, again, is a is a very real biological phenomenon. Now, is the old hag trying to attack you? Well, certainly seems like it. Is a shadow just standing in the corner of your room if you wake up and you're, you know, you're feeling that paralysis? Is that attacking you? These two different things are are going on here. One, there is that, you know, actual physical presence sitting on top of you right? It's actually pressing you down. Some people have reported that it feels like it's trying to get inside of me, uh, which is really, really disconcerting. But it's a physical presence that is uh, right there on top of you. That I would chalk up to, yeah, that kind of really does seem like some sort of attack. Now, people that have been following me for a while, I'm, I'm about to get controversial for some people, People that have been following my work for a while that have read A Walk in the Shadows know that I am going to say this. So I get asked the question all the time, what is a shadow person? And it really, really depends on the shadow itself and what its intentions are. There is no one single answer for this. And I have other uh, shows, presentations, interviews, videos on the YouTube channel, uh, all kinds of material on the Connected Universe portal covering this. So I'm not going to get into all of the like different types, um, like we were saying before with you know, the hats or you know hooded figures or red eyes or you know, we'll kind of intermingle some of that discussion here about not going down the route of defining all of those and, and their characteristics and, and all that. But when we talk about you know, what they are. They can be, be a variety of different things. And we're going to talk about how our eyes work here in a little while. But it really is the way that we are interpreting the light with our eyes. So these can be, yeah, they can be human spirits that don't fully manifest as an apparition. They can be 
some sort of interdimensional being. We'll talk a little bit about that. They can be an extraterrestrial. They can be some sort of astral projection. They can be a light being in which the light that they're emanating is so far beyond what we can see. We're just seeing the base. So kind of think of uh, staring at a light bulb too long. And what do you end up seeing? You, you are no longer seeing the light. You're seeing the silhouette of the bulb. So that kind of it. Don't, don't stare at a light bulb, please and say that I told you to do that. Don't. Um, and the list kind of goes on and on and on. Can they be demonic? Yes, they can. But not every single shadow person is evil and nasty, nefarious and demonic. They each have their own agendas. Uh, yeah, sure. Some are. Some are actually benevolent and do things to, to help people. I have several stories like that within the book. Most are just watching, standing, staring, and observing. Why? And we'll get to that in a little while too. But again, there are a number of different possibilities as to what they are doing there. Is that very disconcerting and troubling? Yeah, sure it is. Uh, especially if it's you know within your home and you've got something standing. Well, immediately you're already thinking intruder, somebody's broken into the house and that sort of thing before your mind first goes to shadow person. So with sleep process, let me get, I, I see that there's a number of comments and questions coming in the chat and uh, we'll get to some of those here in a minute. I'm just kind of wrap up uh, this segment here. So with the sleep paralysis aspect of it, I believe these are two different phenomena that can happen at the same time. Because not every episode of sleep paralysis you know, has people observing shadow people. And not every shadow person incident or sighting of a shadow has to do with somebody experiencing sleep paralysis. In other words, you know, it doesn't always have to do with a bed and somebody waking up. And there are many cases in which somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, they see the shadow, and they're still able to move, and there's no sleep paralysis associated with it. Uh, there's plenty of times that we see shadows elsewhere like we might be in the kitchen and you know see a shadow walk down the hallway of of our house uh we might see one you know out in the woods we might see one we we visit a historic building and we see shadows moving about they happen you know all different times of day in all different situations it's not just at night so they're very independent of each other which is uh, something that drives me nuts about the medical community's assessment of the, uh, uh, again, what they're calling the intruder hallucination, which they associate with the, with the sleep paralysis. Um, also, if it's a hallucination, and yeah, some of you have heard this many, many times. If it's a hallucination, then why is it always a person? You know, sure, they might be wearing, you know, different clothing. You might see a hat, you might see a hood, uh, something like you might even see robes or a cloak or a cape or all kinds of different things. But we dream about all kinds of different stuff, not just people. You know, we dream about cars, motorcycles. Uh, there might be trees and bushes in our dream, uh, you know, a full building like a house, things like this, right? Airplanes flying overhead. But um, but those don't show up in our room. We wake up and, uh, you know, we're still experiencing sleep paralysis and you know, we're not seeing that stuff in our room. 
You know, I've had dreams of being on stage with Motley Crue, and I've never woken up to 10,000 people in my room, the pyrotechnics going off, and the drum kit, and the guitars, and it'd be a lot of fun, but that doesn't happen. At least it hasn't happened yet, right? So it's not a hallucination, okay? So what's going on here then? I, I had mentioned that I believe it's two different phenomena that can happen at the same time. This is what I mean. So. Anybody who's had small children will uh, will recognize this immediately. And if those that have been following me for a while will immediately recognize this story because I tell it all the time. So child wakes up in the middle of the night, had a bad dream, they need a drink of water, and they use the you know, restroom, whatever. They come to get the parents up. And usually most, child, most children will kind of walk in, tap me on the shoulder, shake you awake and say, you know, mom, dad, I need this. Okay. You go take care of it. Sometimes you get that child. And my youngest son, Cameron, was notorious for this. He'll come up to the edge of the bed and just stand there and stare. And doesn't, you know, shake you awake. They just stare at you. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh my God, Cameron, what are you doing? <laughs> it's creepy, right? It's pretty creepy. And, and you know, it says, yeah, and had a bad dream, you drink water, whatever. And you go take care of it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's shake me awake next time. Don't just stand there and stare. It's creepy. Well, if he didn't tap me awake, he didn't shake me awake. Well, what, what woke me up, right? His presence did. His energy. We each have a toroidal field of energy that emanates out from us several feet. Um, and when somebody's energy crosses into yours, you feel that presence. You feel their energy right there by you. That's like when somebody walks into a room, you might not even hear them, but all of a sudden you kind of perk up and like, so somebody's here. Oh, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Right? Um, that happens to us all the time. So when Cameron's energy field crossed into mine, even though I was asleep, I was alerted. You know, something's going on. Wake up. I woke up. There he is. What's going on? Same thing is happening with these shadows. They have their own toroidal field of energy, too. They have they have energy. They, you know, they have a their own resonance uh, that's vibrating, whether it's in the corner, edge of the bed, you know, doorway, whatever it is. And when their energy field crosses into yours, you feel that. You know, just like Cameron standing next to the bed, you feel that energy enter into yours. And you get the, you know, that tingly thing uh, kind of waking you up. Like, hey, 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 somebody's nearby. Wake up. Oh, I'm up. But again, sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis is a real biological phenomenon. And you might not come out of your sleep the proper way and you might still be paralyzed. This is Sleep paralysis is a real biological phenomenon. And okay, that happens. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I see a figure standing there. Somebody's somebody's in the house. Again, you don't usually immediately go to shadow person, but somebody's in the house. What's going on? And you're alerted. You you want to do something about it. You maybe want to shout at the person or uh or whatever it is that you're inclined to do, but you can't move like okay why why can't i move what's going on so 
you know, your adrenaline's racing because, you know, somebody's in the room. Uh, there's some sort of intruder that is there. You want to do something about, oh, I can't move. Adrenaline starts to race even more. Um, so, you know, it becomes like this, you know, rabbit hole. You tumble down. And, uh, and so, yeah, two, two type of phenomena that can happen at the same time. Again, uh, there are times that, you know, people see the, the thing in the room and they don't have the paralysis. I've had, uh, one guy reach out to me and say, yeah, I, yeah, I woke up. It was standing there, uh, over by the, the wall. I shouted at it. It didn't move. It was still there. I reached into my nightstand drawer, pulled out a gun, shot at the thing, turned on the light. It was gone, but there was a hole in the wall. You know, it's a crazy story, but, uh, obviously the guy didn't have sleep paralysis if he's grabbing a gun from the nightstand drawer and shooting at the thing. Um, have one more, uh, story associated with that, that I want to tell. This is another story that's included in the book. It's uh, Eric Gerard had uh, sent this to me. I met him at Ocean State Paracon some years ago, and he shared this with me. We, we chatted there, and uh, I was like, yeah, send the story along, and uh, I'll be sure to include it in the book. This is really a fascinating story. So on, again, this is an excerpt. I'm going to read straight from the book, then I'm going to get to your questions. He says, I went to bed around midnight. And I woke up exactly at 3 a.m. due to a loud thunder crash from a massive storm. I opened my eyes and felt something heavy on my chest. A flash of lightning lit up my room, and I witnessed a silhouette of a woman straddling my chest. I was able to view long hair and shoulders, but no facial features since the figure in the room were way too dark. I froze for a split second to make sure I was awake, which I realized I was 100%. I swung my left arm across my chest and grabbed the solid form of a shoulder and pushed it to the left side of my bed. I pushed hard because the figure had weight to it. I ended up rolling right off the bed with this shadow woman still attached to me. I hit the hardwood floor at the time. A lightning flash went off again, and I looked under the bed and saw nothing. I immediately flipped on the lights in the room and found to my surprise that I was all alone. I ran to the kitchen and grabbed a steak knife and checked to make sure all my doors and windows were locked, which they were. I searched my entire house and found no one else inside with me. I was in complete shock because I knew what I had just seen and felt. This figure was a complete shadow woman with a heavy mass that I was able to touch. So fascinating story. Again, waking up, no sleep paralysis. He actually has the old hag sitting on him. So he's feeling the, the pressure. He's feeling the pressing that uh, people have been reporting for thousands of years. In this particular case, he's actually able to physically touch her, move her, shove her off the bed, all of that. And she disappeared. So again, this is, yeah, certainly it is a fascinating type of again what, what is she doing on his chest you know what's her aim what's her goal you know what what does this type of attack have to do with again people talk about the energy vampire that sort of thing um he didn't say anything about you know feeling that sort of drain or whatever so we're not really sure why they do this why are they sitting on the chest what is it that they're doing to us some people again report 
trying to feel like they're trying to get inside, like almost like they're trying to possess the body. And those that are familiar with the movie Insidious, um, you have that kind of theme there where the the boy has um, uh, projected his body, astral projecting at night, he'd projected his body so far that the uh, that his body was actually just a vessel there lying and, you know, the other entities and beings are trying to, uh, you know, to get, to get it, to inhabit it. Um, so I'm not going to give too much uh, away from that. Um, a, uh, at another event, there was a couple that had uh, approached my table, you know, husband and wife, they had a fascinating story that a woman had woken up one night and it was, wasn't a hag. It wasn't a shadow, it wasn't a ghoul. It was a dire wolf sitting on her chest. And it was, again, you know, pressing down on her. And she's, you know, trying to, to get out from under its its grasp. And her husband, of course, felt her, you know, struggling. And he looked over, saw the impressions. He didn't see the wolf. That was invisible to him. He saw the impressions of paw prints on her shoulder. So he could see that. You know, flipped on the light and the thing disappeared. It went away. So, yeah, another type of, it's an even more bizarre type of attack. And then the fact that, okay, she could see the wolf. He couldn't, but he could see the imp impressions of the paw print. So, you know, she was having, um, you know, something physical was certainly happening to her. And this kind of goes into, you know, when we talk about, you know, personal uh, resonance, frequency, energy, vibration, where everybody has uh, their own personal resonance, right? Um, it's for human body, it's anywhere between 9 and 16 hertz, changes a little bit between standing, sitting, moving around, but people kind of generally fluctuate between a certain range. Of course, these other entities and beings have a, uh, you know, have their own personal resonance as well. And they're also kind of on a, you know, using energy differently than us. So, you know, one person, let's like say I'm uh, resonating around 10, 10 and a quarter uh, hertz, uh, maybe, we'll, we'll, we'll just say it's a nighttime incident. We'll, we'll do a, uh, just a theoretical here. And maybe Jin Lion next to me is resonating at uh, 14. Something pops into the room uh, at about 10 and a half. I'm going to have a greater chance of seeing that than Jin because I'm resonating at a closer uh, frequency than she is. And also, I believe that the more that you see, witness, and experience certain types of uh, entities, and energies that are within a particular range, your body starts to tune into it. So something might pop into the room and my body this is like really subconscious. The body recognizes that energy and it tunes into it. Oh, you know, something's here. It tunes and then I'm able to see it better than somebody who's maybe not uh, so much accustomed to that. All right. So I've been going on here for a little while, kind of monologuing a bit. We have more to cover, but I do want to get to your questions and comments down here. All right. And it looks like there is a lot going on here. So um, whew, I'm going to start from the bottom and move on up. Uh, so it's a little backwards doing the more recent ones first, but we'll see. Uh, this is from Murtaza. 
Mike, you talk about black mist in your book. I also saw a white slash gray mist in the shape of a person. I also captured a misty figure on my home CCTV. Is white mist connected to shadow people? Okay, so I, I actually get this question a lot. And um, so I'll say this. It's related in the sense that it's some sort of energy manifestation. But when we're talking shadow person, I mean, we call it that because it looks like a shadow. When it's more of that uh, white, grayish, misty, uh, you know, almost kind of translucent sort of thing, we call that an apparition. Um, now, we've there's all kinds of stories of the woman in white or the gray man and, and that sort of thing. So those are more, more usually attributed to like ghost apparitions, that sort of thing, where ones that are more darker, like black or like maybe a dark brown or um, maybe even like a dark gray. Uh, those are usually more attributed to uh, being shadow entities. And it's really just kind of based on on the color. You know, that's this humans trying to categorize what it is that we are witnessing. And really what it is that we are witnessing is the is the manifestation of energy and the way that we are viewing it is just the way that our eyes are are taking in that light. And we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that. I've said that a couple of times now. We're going to talk a little bit about the way the eyes work here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's related in the sense that it's an energy signature. And we're just, it's the interpretation of, of our eyes as to, uh, you know, the color, like the, the reflection of light bouncing off of that into our eyes and the way we're interpreting or lack thereof, um, you know, like the occlusion of light for, uh, especially for a lot of these shadows. Um, all right. Um, oh, and Pandora Farms uh, comment here as a kid, I didn't have them sit on me, but one held me down choking me. I heard them, but couldn't see them. It was during the night and my room was dark, very much awake. Thank you for sharing the experience. And see, that's, um, you know, one of those more you know, nefarious types, ones that, you know, are, are doing some sort of attack. We don't quite understand why. I do always like to throw the caveat out there. That's not true of all cases. Um, and I, I do, I do that. And I always throw that caveat in there because of the fact that you have, um, so many people that are saying, you know, all, all shadow beings are dark, evil, nefarious, the darkest of the dark, the evil, the most evil things. And, you know, there are ones that are nasty, evil, nefarious that do attack people, that sort of thing. But that's not all of them. It's, you, you can't, you know, uh, lump everybody into, uh, you know, the, the same category like that. That's, um, it would be like stereo and I'm not going to stereotype anybody right now, but that would be like us trying to stereotype a group of people just because they, you know, come from a particular city or, or something like that. Um, you know, so that's the same thing with shadows. Each one is, is different. Um, let's see. So Sarah, uh, does the presence of night terrors indicate the body experiencing something that is being labeled as a terror? Again, with specifically with night terrors, it's hard to know because it is a biological reaction and there's not a dream associated with it, at least a dream associated with it. So when you go into the medical uh, journals and documentation, um, they, they separate out night terrors from people having 
nightmare. So it's really hard to know what exactly is going on. And so that's why I was saying before, if it is related somehow to, um, you know, a shadow being, then it's going to take a third party in the room witnessing the shadow because the person having the, the terror is not going to know at all. Again, different from having nightmares or waking up and, you know, witnessing something. They're, they're different in that regard. Um, so Android, I have never been attacked, but from the three I've seen, I was definitely being stalked and having my privacy majorly invaded. Uh, I was in the shower uh, and a giant shadow cast over me as if, you know, I just recently saw those movies. I'd never seen them until um, just recent here, recently here with Jen. As if the fat bastard from Austin Powers was standing right behind me for two seconds outside the glass door and extremely quickly moved away to the left. So, uh, so yeah, that is, you know, something that's really disconcerting is, yeah, they are, they are invading your space. They are invading your privacy. And most times we don't understand why. And you'd really have to, you know, try to interact with it. You'd have to go into like investigative mode to try to figure out, okay, who is this? What is this? You know, why is it here? All that sort of stuff, which I do want to give an example of uh, here, of course, using uh, my own story. I'm going to see, we have one more down here. So uh, Jason uh, Garland, hey Mike, when I was a young child, a shadow person came into my bedroom and observed me for a few minutes. Very peaceful at the time, but very scary now looking back. Any ideas as why as why they visit? So, you know, there's an example there where, you know, you have a person who was visited by a shadow person. Nothing really happened. They were just watching, observing. You said it felt very peaceful. Okay. But now looking back, you're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That was that was kind of creepy. What the heck's going on here? So I'll say this. If it felt peaceful to you at that time and they were just watching and observing, probably all that was going on. Probably all they were doing was watching and observing. Some of these, and um, you know, we've had stories from this as well, are just loved ones from, from the beyond. Um, have a great example in, in the book from my good friend, Rob Guttrow, where it was his, he's a psychic medium. There's a lot with pet communication, actually. But his aunt had returned. She wanted him to deliver a message to his mother. But she appeared to him as a shadow. And, you know, of course, you know, his, his aunt is not going to be something, you know, creepy, scary, nefarious, none of that. It's his aunt <laughs> and he's, you know, delivering a message. So sometimes, um, again, it's just the way that, um, between the way their energy is manifesting and the way our eyes are seeing it. So I kind of have the reverse of that. I have a couple of video clips that I've included for, uh, tonight. And so this one, um, this is actually a segment from the docu-series, The Shadow Dimension playing on uh, Roku channel, Tubi TV, uh, Reveal, several other places, several other streaming platforms out there. So um, I released this almost two years ago now. I keep talking about the second season, which actually is going to be an hour and a half uh, documentary. So some post-production, I know, but that's coming out this year. Uh, but this is from uh, episode one. This is me uh, talking about uh, this particular experience that I had. 
Shadow entities are some of the most enigmatic and mysterious phenomena that we know of in the supernatural world. And I get asked quite often where my interest in this phenomena came from, basically where I got my start. And it all goes back to when I was a child and I was about eight years old. And the house that I lived in, I would never say was haunted. However, I woke up in the middle of the night one night and there was this tall, dark figure standing in the corner of my room. And of course, I had no idea at the time that you called it a shadow person or anything like that. Uh, I just thought there was an intruder in the house and it was about to kill me. But of course, I'm still alive to tell the tale. What it ended up doing after that was really unusual and quite different than most other shadow person stories that have been related to me over the many years that I've been researching this phenomenon. And what it did is it approached my bed, leaned over, grabbed me by the wrists, and crossed my arms across my body. Now, during this time, I'm trying to scream, my mouth opens up and nothing comes out. I'm completely frightened and I'm looking up into this black, basically blank face. You know, there's no eyes, no nose, no mouth, no features whatsoever. It is just a black entity, for lack of a better term. I would say person, but I don't think it was a, a person. What it did after it crossed my arms like that is it ended up running off down the hall. And I turned my head from where I was laying and watched it run off down the hall and of all things into a closet. I have no idea why it went into the closet. Well, at that point, I found my voice, found my legs, ran off to my parents' bedroom. And of course, you know, my parents are, you know, very nice, kind parents, and they're trying to console me again. I was about eight years old. And they're telling me that I had just had a bad dream. Well, I know I hadn't had a bad dream. I was awake for this whole thing. I had woken up from, I have no idea what in the world I was dreaming of at the time, but, you know, I woke up and I saw this thing. This thing was in my room. I felt it touch me. And that's something I get asked a lot. What did it feel like when it touched you? Because people wonder, okay, did it feel cold? Did it feel electric? You know, I mean, really, it just felt like somebody was taking me by the wrists. You know, it, it didn't feel like anything special or anything like that. Um, at least, you know, not that I can recall. Again, I was very frightened at the time, you know, being how young that I was. Okay, so that is an incident that, you know, at the time, I certainly felt like that I was being attacked. Very different than a lot of other uh, reports of, um, you know, something sitting on the chest or something in the room and somebody's just lying there in the sleep paralysis state and, you know, they, they feel like they're being attacked, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, very, very different where it actually crossed my arms across my body. That was very uh, confusing. Tried to make sense of that for a long, long time. And so eventually I, this was a few years back now, I had a hypnosis session to figure out what in the world happened. Have a video of that hypnosis session that is a part of the, again, it's going to be an hour and a half documentary uh, instead of a second season of shadow dimension it's going to be shadow dimension beyond the shadows is is what it's going to be so uh there's going to be a segment of that hypnosis session trying to figure out okay what exactly was this thing 
because when I woke up, it was in that whole watching and observing state before it did the whole hey, cross the arms across the body. So, uh, yeah, for years and years and years, to me, it was a more harrowing incident. I did feel attacked. I didn't talk about it for a long period of time. You know, with research, I talked to others about their experiences, like on the old, oh my gosh, old forums from like the 90s or Yahoo groups and stuff and stuff like that until, um, you know, I got a little more comfortable talking about once I started publishing the books and, and all that sort of thing. Um, then it was like, okay, I'm ready to tell my, my story now. Um, so I had the hypnosis session. And without going into a lot of detail, because we're kind of, you know, getting short on time now. And you guys are going to see that in, uh, in that documentary anyway. But uh, Ariana Corsino uh, is her name. She trained, trained under Dolores Cannon. And she was actually able to channel this particular entity. And what we were able to get out of it was that essentially it was there from somewhere else. You know, uh, you know it's kind of, you know, who are you? Why are you here? You know, those sorts of questions. Um, and basically this being was on a some sort of research mission to study humanity. They were from another dimension. We asked, you know, the, of course, the question, where are you from? Um, the answer was, I'm from another space. So follow up, you mean another dimension? And the response was, well, you might call another dimension, but really it's another space, uh, which is kind of cool because it's like, okay, so we, you know, we're not quite understanding how the universe works. You know, there's more to learn there. There's more mysteries to discover. But um, it was assigned to you know, study, watch, and observe uh, a human boy, a human child that uh, that night. And when I woke up and reacted, uh, you know, it it felt bad. I didn't realize at first that I could see it until I I woke up and reacted, and then it felt bad. It felt like um, you know, it, it was it didn't mean to scare me. So the whole crossing of the arms was. Uh, putting me into a self-hug. And then another thing that I could see from the perspective is I actually, when she channeled this this being, I could see from its perspective. It gave me like a little pat on the wrist too, uh, which was totally new. And, uh, you know, to kind of do a little reassuring thing and then got out of there to stop scaring me. So this one was there to watch, observe, study humanity. But from our perspective, my perspective, it, in that moment, um, it seemed very scary. It seemed like something was attacking me, that sort of thing. So that was kind of a lack of understanding of what exactly was going on. Again, this is very, very different than one of the ones that's like sitting on the chest and, and all of that, um, you know, which which certainly do seem to be more of <laughs> attacking, aggressive uh, sort of behavior. But this ultimately, in this particular incident, uh, was not. So in my travels and investigations, okay, if I have been involved with cases in which you had an entity attacking uh, a person, yes, I have been. And that was featured, heck, the very first television show I was uh, ever on. Uh, we filmed in 2010. The episode was released in 2011. It was uh, The Haunted, which actually aired on Animal Planet because their perspective was um, you know, animals in, in the household or wherever, uh, some of them were on ranches and 
other places uh, that are reacting to the paranormal activity. This particular episode, yeah, there are cats in the house. Um, the episode didn't air all of that stuff. In fact, I have a deleted scene of like one of the more significant uh, things that happened with an animal that they, and they didn't even include it on the episode. Uh, but this was the uh, it was Monster in the Closet episode. Uh, it was in, uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. And this was a, well, when the family was seeing it, it was a red-eyed uh, shadow entity. Uh, the adult daughter of the home uh, was seeing this thing with red eyes in her closet. It was very shadowy in nature. It was terrorizing her. It was terrorizing the cat. There were other things that were going on throughout the household. Um, other people did see the shadow. Um, and things were going on in that house for like 20 years. Nobody was talking about it for a long, long time until they finally reached out to us to start investigating the house. Um, the, uh, the son who had, you know, he'd moved out some years prior and, uh, the daughter was now staying in his, his former room, but he said he woke up one night to, it, it sounded like a wrestling match was going on in his room and stuff was falling all throughout the room, but he couldn't see who was actually wrestling. It was like this bizarre incident. And so things like that, you know, had been happening for for like 20 years and things were really, really starting to amp up, amp up, amp up. And she was seeing this red-eyed shadow entity. Now, there was an incident that occurred when uh, when we were cleansing the home. We were, we were asked to cleanse. Um, we had filmed a bunch of, okay, you know, we're doing the, here's the family story. Here's us investigating. Now they made it look like we investigated one time, deemed that the thing was demonic. And then we're going to call out Carl Johnson to, to cleanse the house. You know, the demonologist of over 50 years. Um, yeah, it didn't really happen like that. We investigated there several, several times over the course of many months. Um, until, you know, this, this the show opportunity popped up um because the uh well the person that was heading up our group at the time had some uh had some network contacts and, and things like that and so there were actually several episodes that we were kind of lined up for and this is the one that the the family actually agreed to okay we'll go ahead and do it so um the the production company really wanted to film the cleansing so we filmed filmed the cleansing and that's when things kind of really got crazy. So we're going through the house, you know, room to room to room, you know, have this, uh, idea that we're going to push the entity, you know, out, uh, but we've got to cleanse each room. We asked the family to stay outside while we did this. However, Talison, the daughter, uh, came into the house to use the restroom and she ended up, uh, back there in the, uh, the master bedroom. She had finished her, her doing her thing. Um, all of a sudden she's like yelling at something that was unseen, uh, at, at the one wall, you know, just stuff like, you know, you know, why do you keep terrorizing us? You know, why do you keep doing this to my family? You know, that sort of stuff. So Carl decided that he was going to do a blessing over her. And all of a sudden, as he's doing this, she got like punched in the gut. She doubled over. You hear this audible, Ugh. she fell to the floor, got her up, got her on the bed. She was fine. She was kind of, 
you know, out of it for a moment there, but she was fine. But going back over my audio later, there was an EVP there right as she got punched in the gut that said, die. Now, the, the production company took that EVP, put it earlier in the episode and made it like that EVP is why we were cleansing the house. And we we're cleansing the house because the family was tired of this thing that was going on for a long period of time. This happened during the cleansing. So I'm going to play that clip. Um, the Because the production company didn't include that as part of the episode, I don't have a video of that. Um, and then even have it as a deleted scene because of the way they told their story. So I uh, pieced together some photos I had took had taken at the time. And again, I had the audio. So that's what you're going to get here. It's, um, you're going to hear it twice. I just I do the same clip twice in a row. This is a chance to reveal yourself and we command you by the holy powers, by the angels that visit this house. This is a chance to reveal yourself and we command you by the holy powers, by the angels that visit this house. Yeah. So I'm sharing this because, and, and, and basically what ended up happening is we continued to, uh, to cleanse that room and stuff got, like I said, crazy there for a little bit because the back door suddenly blew open. We shut it, it blew open again. It basically it happened like three times, you know, deadbolted thing. Carl did a blessing over the door. But a trifield meter that was set up over by the closet in her room, they started going off like crazy. So all this stuff just started like happening. I pushed the thing out to the backyard and uh, Carl's doing a uh, blessing over the backyard. The cats were circling us like crazy. This The wind had really, really kicked up. It was blowing around. It was just like bedlam back there. And finally, Carl falls to a knee after his blessing. The winds calmed down. The cats calmed down. Everything was good and peaceful. We went over into the side yard and we're letting the family know, hey, we're done. We got the thing pushed out. We're good to go. You know, what do you think about that wind that kicked up? And you know, this is a small yard. It's not very big. And they're just in the side yard. And they're like, what wind? They'd experienced nothing over there while this was going on in the backyard. It's crazy. So, but I brought this whole story up because, yeah, it was a uh, red-eyed shadow entity case. Now, we didn't see when she got punched in the gut. Nobody saw, you know, a shadow at that point in time. Uh, there were no red eyes that we saw. We didn't see, we didn't we didn't see a, um, a humanoid figure, nobody in a hat, nobody in a cloak, nobody, no mist, nothing. But the energy was still there. She was still affected. She got this punch in the gut. We got the die EVP. The back door started blowing open. The trifield meals started going off. So the energy was there and really, really getting stirred up. And so even though we didn't see it in its shadow form at that point in time. Whatever it was, and this was certainly a more nefarious one, was there to inflict some harm before we shoved it out. And to this day, the, the family, uh, Carl uh, had just reached out to them. I, I stayed in touch for a while. Carl reached out to them a couple of years ago, and they were like, yeah, everything's everything's still good. Um. 
Now, that was one in which he had actually, Carl, renowned demonologist for 50 years, he had deemed that one demonic. That was a, uh, a demonic case that we had actually dealt with there. And I'd asked him when I had him on edge of the rabbit hole, uh, Victoria and I were talking to him. And uh, this was maybe two years ago or whatever. And, you know, this is a guy, you know, this is what people reach out to him for. Uh, or demonic cases, uh, you know, come to my house and investigate and, you know, get the nefarious spirit out. And I'd asked him, okay, so you do this all the time. You're always on these type of cases. But, you know, from, you know, knowing you, reading your work, working with you, all that stuff, you know, even though it might be nasty and nefarious, it doesn't have to be demonic. I mean, you can have a uh, a nasty human spirit that's in the house. It's doing terrible things. You know, if they were jerking life, well, they're going to be a jerk in death too. And they're hanging around and doing uh, nasty stuff. So when I asked him, you know, what was the last case that you had actually deemed demonic? And he said, you know, Mike, it was actually that case that we were on in Edmond, Oklahoma together. Now, he was talking about a case that was like 10 years old at the time. So it was like, okay, here, this is what he does. And it had been 10 years since there was one that he had actually deemed demonic. So um, it, it really takes, you know, trying to figure out and investigate and learn what it is that you're dealing with to say, okay, is this, is this a demon? Is this a nasty human spirit? What is the type of entity that we're dealing with? Now, the shadow part of it is a form that it can take, or, is, or it's really a way that our eyes can interpret the energy signature at the time, the way that we're going to uh, see that resonance. Um, so you know, sometimes we, we're going to see that as a shadow. In that particular case, when she got punched in the gut, we didn't see it at all. In fact, all the times that we investigated there, um, we never saw full-bodied figure with red eyes as, as investigators. I did see something, though. Um, so here's, I mentioned the deleted clip uh, earlier. And so I'm going to, to play this. This was actually from our investigative footage. Um, it ended up being, they were going to use it ended up a deleted scene that came on the, the DVD that they, they gave the family. The, the family let me borrow it for a little while to uh, you know, pull some of the extra stuff off there that they had uh, included. Jasmine reacting is significant. What's up, baby? Here. Something's bothering her. She's nervous or something. Animals have a higher perception of the paranormal than we do as humans. She stopped like she saw something. We knew something was definitely there in the room with us. All of a sudden, she took off. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Jasmine bolted away from the doorway. There's a cat down here in the room. No, the cat didn't make it to the room. The cat, the cat went right here and stopped. All of a sudden, I saw this huge black mass. It was a massive black shadow. I was a bit startled just because of the size of it. Okay, so in that clip, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little younger. <laughs> um, you saw me holding a camera, and I'm like, yeah, I, I see what she, I see what she reacted to. 
because it was this it was like a black cloud that was in the middle of the room. Jasmine, the cat wanted nothing to do with it. She got out of there, kind of slinked around. I said bolted, but it was really kind of slinked around back behind uh, the, the wall there and, you know, off toward the piano. Um, yeah, I had the flash on, on my camera and it just lit up the whole room. And, um, you know, so I, I didn't capture it. It's a shadow. And I'm obliterating it with light. So naturally, I did not catch that on a, uh, on a photo in which I used a flash. And then, um, you know, when the light had subsided, when the flash had subsided, kind of, it was dissipating away and it just, you know, kind of finished off and it was done. So what I did, so uh, Adam Tillery did the illustrations for A Walk in the Shadows. And uh, I gave him that photo and told, of course, told him the story. And I'm like, I want you to put that black cloud, that mist into this photo uh, where it was because I was you know, stupid and used a flash. Um, so here is Adam Tillery's artist interpretation of the black mist in the room. That's pretty close. You know, it was, um, it was probably a little wider. Um than that but um yeah and, and that's what i saw now the question then becomes you know was that the the red-eyed shadow being uh you know trying to form up um or was or had it been in there and was you know you know breaking down maybe um you know again it's really the way that you know our our eyes are perceiving the the energy in the room at the time and so i keep talking about the eyes I keep talking about the eyes that's because we only see into a very, very narrow uh, band of the spectrum. So, you know, between ultraviolet and infrared there, between about 400 and 700 uh, nanometers. So uh, we do see, and I, I'm going to play this clip. Um, it's got uh, Mark Anthony, Mary Marshall, Johnny Enoch talking about uh, you know, kind of the way the eyes work and the way we're interpreting shadows and that, and that sort of thing. So let me uh, grab this and we'll play it. And yeah, we're over. <laughs> we're over five minutes. And uh, so we'll wrap this up here um, not too long after this particular clip. And then, of course, those that are part of the uh, members of the Connecting Universe portal, uh, travelers stick with us for the after show on the portal. So let me play this clip here. And then there's other times, and I, I get this a lot from people, where they feel that they're seeing something in their peripheral vision. It is known as averted vision. Our eyes are made up of rods and cones. In our peripheral vision, we see slightly into the infrared range. It's like when you want to observe a comet, and if you try to look at it directly, you don't see it so well. You see a comet better when you're viewing it out of your peripheral vision. When you're perceiving reality, the light is moving up through your optic nerve, through the rods and cones in your eyes, and it travels up to visual cortices and it's downloaded into your brain through about 390 to 750 nanometers, which is one billionth of a meter, just in case you're wondering. And the cones are concentrated in the center of your eye and they give us definition. Basically, that's the high def camera of our eye. You get the color and the definition. The rods in the peripheral vision are the most photosensitive. And so spirits 
and particularly shadow people and uh, um, other interdimensional beings, they're vibrating at a frequency which may be subtle. So if you try to look at them directly, you don't see it. But that's why you'll catch a glimpse of them out of your peripheral vision, because that part of your eye is more sensitive to low light, which in light being a frequency and a form of energy. So these entities are around us a lot. It's learning, first off, like you to be receptive to them. And then secondly, when you do encounter them, to learn how to observe them. Because uh, people say, I, I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye and I looked at it and it vanished. It didn't vanish. You're only interpreting a very narrow band of frequency when we talk about light, but there's so much more going on around you. You're literally swimming in this vast ocean full of entities and multi-dimensional intelligences which I know eventually we're going to find out a lot more about and our sciences are getting so close to penetrating this secret in fact we know now that they are injecting the eyeballs of rats with nanoparticles which are these uh, silicon hexagonal little structures that are about one atom thick and when they're doing this they're giving them the ability to have night vision and they've just moved into the infrared and once you go into the infrared and we start looking into there we're going to see that we're not alone and that we've never been alone yeah, it's another clip there from the shadow dimension so if you haven't watched that please uh you know roku channel 2 tv uh reveal several other platforms that uh that it is on uh six-part docuseries so uh so yeah uh, i let those uh those individuals kind of explain that a little bit no that was more about you know seeing the the shadows out of the corner of your eyes uh and, and why you know, we kind of turn and look and, and they disappear, that sort of thing. But you know, the same is true even if you're looking straight at something and you still see it, you're still only seeing into a very uh, narrow band of the spectrum. So you're not getting that full geometry, especially if something that we're witnessing is from another dimension. We're absolutely not getting the full geometry of it. You know, a, um, uh, you know, fifth dimensional, sixth dimension, seventh dimensional being is going to look very, very different in this dimension than its own. So we're only getting uh, the part of the structure that that we can understand. Uh, the only bit that we can really tune into a bit and try to interpret. So we're not getting that whole thing. And if you have these uh, different energies that are that are fluctuating like this sometimes going to show up as a shadow sometimes going to sometimes going to be invisible but the energy itself is still there sometimes going to show up as maybe gray or whitish or you know these sorts of things are kind of going to move in and out back and forth so um so a lot of that when we talk about shadow beings shadow entities that sort of thing that is just the physical characteristic of what we are trying to interpret. Uh, so these are all a variety of different things that we're interpreting, that our eyes are interpreting in this way, in this dimension. Um, but they all have different agendas. So are some attacking, being nasty, being nefarious for some reason? Yeah, some of them are, but not all of them. And again, yeah, the ones that are standing, watching, observing, those are very, very creepy. But again, there are some that are actually benevolent as well, that have actually uh, helped people in a variety of capacities. And I didn't really get into uh, that aspect in, in this particular episode because we were kind of more addressing uh, the ones that 
do get nasty and, and do actually attack people. And, um, and yeah, so if you do have a concern about uh, something like that that is going on in the in the home, I would certainly suggest you know, reaching out to a reputable uh, local investigative team to get some more answers about that. And if it's something that is, um, you know, physically happening to you, like if you're having the sleep paralysis, um, people have talked to me about, hey, you know, I, I've you know had seizures at night, um, you know, any of that sort of stuff, you know, the night terrors again. Uh, that is where I say, you know, for that aspect of it, you know, certainly, uh, you know, talk to your doctor and, and what have you. I'm not going to offer medical advice here, but as far as the supernatural side of it, you know, I would say, uh, you know, if you're not already an investigator and kind of, you know, know how to do some of those things, uh, you know, get a, a reputable investigative team uh, out there and uh, to check it out and see what they might be able to, to determine about it. So, all right. Um, that is going to wrap it up. You guys did have some good questions and comments in there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I see some of them are coming in from those that are uh, part of the uh, Connected Universe portal. I'll go ahead and take those when we uh, hit the after show here in just a moment. Uh, those that are listening to the podcast version of this later, please, by all means, again, uh, join us every Wednesday night live, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. I do run, of course, there's a public side on, uh, on YouTube, but, um, you know, the, uh, the after show is going to go on now behind the scenes. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see several of you there for everyone else till next time. Time really exists. <laughs>